I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And And we're we're Identical Twins. Twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Twin Talk. Now each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi everyone. Hi everyone. I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical twins. twins. All right, we are here with episode 78. Okay, so this is a hymn we do not know. I know it's kind of crazy. We've had such a run of hymns. Have we? <laughs> I mean, just since since our big episode for 75, Jesus loves me. Right, right, right. You know, and then we were right into Easter. Yes. And so now all of a sudden we have a hymn that neither of us know. No, we go back to our list of requests. Yes. Now this person has been very patient. Yes. So his name is Ronnie Kelly, and he's a piano player. He plays the hymns at his church. He mm-hmm. accompanies the services. And we've got talking on Instagram because he's always posting his week's worship set. Right, which and, is what we do. Which is what we do. But he does everything. Like, we pretty much just share the hymns. Yes, that's true. He shares all his stuff. And they have really great music. And a lot of times it's hymns that we've done on the podcast, so we kind of talk about him. Um, but he goes to First Century Gospel Church, and I think it's in Philadelphia. Okay. And he started playing piano around the age of 12, 13, and 20 years later, he's still playing. Wow. Yeah. And he loves this hymn. It's his favorite hymn. They do it at the church. Like, why this hymn? Do we know? He said that this hymn is a hymn of comfort, mm. and it's just a reminder that God is completely in control. And he said that when facing trials, he would play the song over and over again. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So because he's a piano player, Kelly, he sent us a recording of him playing. Oh, that's great. so we're going to be able to share that with our listeners yes, too. Yes. Do you want to tell everybody the name of the hymn? Yes, and maybe by the end of the episode, they'll all be listening to it in their own times of trial and trouble. Right. Exactly. You know? We've give. We, hopefully, we will give you a new thing to listen to yeah. to make you feel better. I well, that's what Ronnie does. Right. All right. Let's tell everybody the hymn for today is. Lead Kindly Light. Yay. Now, we're thinking many of you know this, just because Kelly and I don't know it. I mean, he, Ronnie loves it, and many of you probably do too. I mean, it is in over a thousand hymnals. Okay. But it's not in, you know, our hymnal. Right. It's not in our hymnal. I really couldn't find it. Okay. So it's, I think it might be about church traditions. You know, different churches would have it when other churches wouldn't. So, but there's a lot to this hymn. And, you know, yeah, we did make Ronnie wait a little bit. We did. (laughs) Um, But he's been patient. He just loves the hymns and he loves playing the piano. Yeah. And this hymn He's is great. Ha- I don't want him or any of our listeners to think that we kept putting it off because no. we really didn't want to do it. No, of There's a not. lot to it. I mean, th- a saint wrote the words. A saint. Yes. John Bacchus Dykes wrote the music. And we love him. I, John Bacchus Dykes is a hashtag hymn legend. He is. For he sure. is. And yeah. this kind of joins with, it's legendary too, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's fun facts. There's controversy. There's musical nerd moments. Honestly, this hymn has everything. And we're going to put it all in this episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we hope you all love it. All right. Well, thank you, Ronnie, for bringing it to our attention. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that makes me think that maybe it's not that well-known of a song, mm-hmm. 
I actually had a hard time finding a recording of it. Right. So we know that Ronnie has done the piano for us. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Ronnie. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays at his church and there's like over 500 people that attend. So he's playing. It's a big church. It's a big church. And he said that he prays every week for God to help calm his nerves. That's Aww. a lot of people to play for. And do they sing it in that church? Because all of those 500 people know it. Yes. <laughs> I hope the people. What church was it? New Century Gospel? First Century Gospel, Kelly. Um, I hope all the people will, will tune in. So I couldn't find a, a, a recent recording. If I went back 10 years, 12 years, 17 years, I could find one. Mm. But I wanted just something that is a little bit newer, you know? Mm, yeah. So guess who I reached out to? Who? Sneha. Oh, our friend Sneha. So Sneha was the singer and the artist behind Jesus Loves Me mm-hmm. for episode 75. If you haven't heard that, you, sh- you should go, you should go there. Um, but yeah, I reached out to her and I said, would you and your husband be up for doing this for a recording? She said she had never heard the song before. Okay. But once she heard it, once she started singing it, she said she loved it. Right. So we have, we just have all of these like him friends coming together I know, for this episode. All over the world. Yeah. All over the world. Ronnie in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. Sneha in India, yep. and of course our hymn writers who are from England. England. All right. So I think our biggest question is to our listeners. Yeah. Do you know this hymn? Does it sound familiar? There's the crickets. <laughs> <laughs> Since when did we get cricket sounds? I've used crickets, I think, like once before. Um, so, does anyone know it? Does anyone know it? Yeah. <laughs> we hope that you're excited to hear this. So, I thought, let's not wait till okay. the end of the episode. Let's sing a okay. verse right now. Sure. Lead kindly light amid the encircling gloom. Lead thou me on. The night is dark and I am far from home. Lead thou me on. Keep thou my feet, I do not ask to see. The distant scene, one step enough for me. Okay, so that's verse one. Yes. I mean, the words are powerful. Right. The night is dark and I am far from home. Right. Like, what is happening? I know. And I feel like we need to know this story. You know, why is he far from home? Why are things dark? I mean, the encircling gloom. Yeah. And he's saying, lead kindly light. Which I'm not even sure what that means. Yeah. So are you leading kindly? Through the with by no, the light, I think it's supposed to be lead, comma, kindly light. So the so light, lead, right? So it's two different things. Yeah, please lead and yeah. please kindly light the way. No, no, he's. T- <laughs> <laughs> I think it's lead, and while you're at it, kindly light. No, it. he's calling. It's the light. He's talking to the light. Lead me, light. Okay, so is light capitalized L? Like, is it? Is it? Is the light? Somehow God, oh my gosh, it is. Is it? capital L. (laughs) You guys, it's like we've never looked at this before. (laughs) 
Well, that was Carrie's interpretation. (laughs) But the truth is, Carrie, is that we're going to talk about these words because they are confusing. I mean, you're not the only person to question. Okay, I've sung it. I've listened to it. I know, you've sung it many times. I don't understand why the L, I never noticed the L was capitalized. I'm just going to look at another hymnal. Okay, so but you were looking at the word light as a verb. Yes, like kindly light it. Who's the light of the world? (laughs) Yeah, but God is lighting our path for us. But God, but Jesus is the light. Right. But I mean, can you think of another hymn where we refer to, where we actually, all the names we call Jesus, we actually just call him light. (laughs) Can you think of any other hymn? Well, I think that I have some controversy about this song coming up. We haven't used that sound in a while. Yeah, well, this song is going to have a lot of it. Okay, so wait a second. I just want to say, we were reading the music from a hymnal, Hymns of the Faith, Mm -hmm. hymn number 409. Right. So I just am going to pick another hymnal and look at it. Okay. So if we look at Worship and Service Hymnal, this is hymn number seven, and Lead Kindly Light. The light is capitalized. I'm looking at the new National Baptist Hymnal from 2001, hymn number 234. It's capitalized. Okay. So I guess we can definitely say that I'm wrong. <laughs> light is not a verb. Light is a person. Lead, the, <laughs> lead us and kindly light our way. That's no, what I thought. No, I, I no. totally thought it was two things. No. So right there, when the first three words mm-hmm. are so confusing. <laughs> only to you. <laughs> I can't imagine I'm the only one. People out there, anyone with me? You guys, researching hymns, it's not easy. (laughs) We may make it look easy, (laughs) but it's not. It takes work. Okay, Okay, so I was thinking, before we even get to these words, because there are a lot more questions and controversy besides the the first phrase. Right, right, right. Let's talk about Dykes again, because we haven't talked about him in a while. So I hope you all recognize him. He is a hashtag him legend. Uh Uh-huh. He wrote, holy, holy, holy. That was episode 32. Mm -hmm. Loved that episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he wrote Eternal Father Strong to Save. And that was episode seven. I mean, way back in the beginning. Way back in the beginning. And we ended up loving that Mm -hmm. one. I feel like that That was our first, you know, introduction to him. I mean, we've been doing the podcast since 2020. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are brand new listeners that haven't gone back to episode seven. So that's what we're telling you to do now. Yeah. We don't want to repeat everything that was in the other two um, episodes. So we want to give you some new stuff about J.B. Dykes. He's great. He wrote a ton. He wrote over 300 hymn tunes. Mm -hmm. And he was very talented. He was very prolific. But he also had a lot of criticism. Right. I I just think of him as being someone who was maybe a little ahead of his time, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a little like outside of the box of church music. Mm -hmm. He was trying to push harmonically, musically. He was just trying to push people a little outside of what the church normally does. And like any composer who tries to do something like that, they're going to be met with criticism. Right, right. So what are the kinds of things that they said about him yeah they called him like over sentimental Mm -hmm. over emotional i think he had two dramatic chord changes sometimes right he was really trying to be in some ways i think more like operatic in nature Mm -hmm. yeah and us listening to it nowadays you would never say this music is weird why would we be doing something like this but you have to understand the time that he was living in they weren't singing like that in churches but he was getting his music influence 
influence from the composers of the time. Right. I mean, we're talking about Mendelssohn, Schumann, Grieg, mm-hmm. uh, Debussy. I mean, yeah. he is listening to you know, these early romantic composers are doing and he wants to do it too. Right, right. So since this is a hymn we don't really know that well and now we want to kind of analyze this okay. music. We're mm-hmm. going to analyze this. Is the harmony chromatic? M&M's, always fun. <laughs> is the music diatonic? M&M's, always fun. <laughs> so there's a little musical nerd stuff right, going on right, here. Right, right, Which I think we talked about the chromaticisms in Eternal Father Strong to Save. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to happen as much in Holy, Holy, Holy. Right. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So okay. let's sing verse two. What? And let's hope that there's no words that <laughs> stump us because <laughs> we're not sure what they mean. Um, but let's really try to listen to what Dykes was doing and hear if the criticisms for him were valid or not. Okay. And of course, we're only two people. So right. some of the chromaticisms could be taking place in, in other a tenor parts, or yeah. a bass part, you know, whatever. And sometimes the chromaticisms that we hear in the alto part sound weirder because it's only two voices. Right. You need the You other know, parts. maybe if you heard all of them. Yeah. I do think there are some interesting things happening. Okay. And that whole diatonic is when it sounds like it's moving into a different key. Yeah. So we want you to really listen, but you know, you can look at our show notes because we have a link to the sheet music. Right, so right. if you wanted to look and sing along, we certainly encourage you to do that too. Yeah. I actually would love it if you could sing the tenor part. <laughs> <laughs> or the bass part. <laughs> All right. I was not ever thus, nor prayed that thou shouldst lead me on. I loved to choose and see my path, but now lead thou me on. I loved the garish day and spite of fears. Pride rules my will, remember not past years. I sing that, Kelly, and I just think there's so many words. So many words. So and many. Honestly, so many words that I don't think I've ever seen in a hymn. <laughs> was it garish? It was garish. Garish day, and I loved it. I loved the garish day. What's that? I mean, what was What's going that? on on that What's day? That? <laughs> <laughs> well, he had pride. Pride ruled his will. <laughs> he loved to choose and see his path. Close your eyes, buddy. <laughs> See, that's the light. <laughs> the light. The light is gone. So what do we think of Dykes' music care? Is it chromatic? So I don't necessarily think that I sang a lot of chromaticisms, but because I was looking, I could see a lot of... Yes, definitely. But what, you think I did a no, lot? No. <laughs> no, but I don't think it's like the prettiest of harmonic structures. Okay, so have you been able to listen to a choral arrangement of this? No. Why are you asking me that? <laughs> well, what have you been researching all week? The word. I do think if if you listen to a choral setting, it is very pretty. Mm-hmm. Is it chromatic and diatonic? Yeah, but it's just, it's pretty. Yeah. 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 
I'm not sure it has a place in like congregational worship. I don't know. I do I know. like the idea of it being a choir piece. Yeah, I think a choral anthem would be beautiful. I should. We should ask Ronnie. Like, do they sing this at his mm-hmm. church, mm-hmm. or is it just something that he sings he on his own right. when he's not feeling great? So yeah, we'll we'll get in touch with Ronnie and and get get him to mm. now confirm that. Now let's sing verse three. Okay, oh, we're here in verse three, and there's some. Interesting things about verse Interesting. three. Good I word. can't wait. I can't wait to t- to show people. Okay, ready. Verse three. So long, thy power hath blessed me. Sure, it still will lead me on, or moor and fen, or crag and torrent still the night is gone and with the morn those angel faces smile which I have loved long since and lost a while okay so yeah a lot there. What's what's going on? So you're going over the moor and the fen and the crag and the torrent. I mean, where are you? What's that? Moor, fen, crag, what's and torrent. So, I mean, <laughs> it's fen, crag, and torrent. How about this? Torrent is a violent or forceful flow of fluid. You. I mean, it doesn't even say that it's ocean. I mean, could you? Like torrential rain, right? Torrential. True, true, That's true. what I was thinking. Torrent. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but you could just be like, you know, the soda dispenser just <laughs> is broken and there's a torrent of Pepsi coming oh, out. Oh, and fen is a swamp, like groundwater, right. grassy water. Okay, so the terrain <laughs> of this area, wherever mm-hmm. Newman is, yes. is really not pleasant. I think he's just explaining that the light will shine in all of the places and will lead him. Lead kindly light. True, 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 true. <laughs> so, um, but that isn't even like the weirdest no, part of this verse. Okay, so the next line, the night is gone, yep. and with the morn, those angel faces smile. So once dawn comes, it's there morning. There are some smiley angels. <laughs> smiley angels. Which I have loved long since and lost a while. I mean, who are those angel faces? And where did they go for all that time, and how did they come back? And so I actually think that that's one of the reasons why this is constituted a funeral hymn. Because it's like the day is done, you know, you die and you are brought to life in heaven for eternity. You see the light and you see the angels and the people that you have lost in your life and you're reunited with them. But the truth is, is that theologians and preachers have studied these lines and have not been able to really for sure figure out what he meant. So these theologians are deciding, and mm-hmm. we have some ideas yes. what there's, it could mean. Yes, there's these writings that are called Notes and Queries. They're from 1880. Okay. Notes and Queries. And they actually attempt to interpret this line. Okay. Okay. So one interpretation is that the night is dark, the soul has lost a while, the angel faces, um, but th- but it's not like faces, it's the divine forms of faith. And assurance. And it's mm. basically like saying that you you had some doubts, you know. And so you lost th- that faith and assurance and it kind of 
comes back after you, you know, have your spiritual reawakening. Okay. That's one interpretation. A second interpretation, and this comes right from these same articles, is that the angel faces are faces of ministering spirits that were sent by God to sort of help people. Okay. So, you know, like, I don't know, guardian angels? Sure. But they're ministering spirits to help. The third interpretation is kind of what I said earlier, which is that we're all going to be reunited with the saints of the faith in heaven at someday. Mm-hmm. And then the final explanation is suggested in this, you know, age old theological question that infants, you know, were part of the angels before they were born, you know, that, that they are, they have some sort of communion with the angels, communion with the saints that we don't know about. And as babies get older, they, you know, lose that. Um, And that's something that has been like, you know, written about and myths and stories about Babies that had lives before they were born. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. All, so all of this is written. All of this. These are four ideas. Yeah. And we could ask our listeners which one they Right. Prefer. We could have a little poll on Instagram. But all of this was being discussed while Newman was still alive. Okay. So they asked him. So they asked him. They sent him an, a letter and they asked him to explain those words. This was a publication called The Guardian. It was printed on February 25th, 1880, and it was Cardinal Newman's answer to the question. (laughs) He writes this letter um, to my dear Dr. Greenhill, and this is a direct quote, Gary. Attention, please. (laughs) You flatter me by your questions. (laughs) Poets were not bound to be critics or to give a sense to what they had written. I may plead that I am not bound to remember my own meaning, whatever it was, at the end of almost 50 years. Oh, my goodness. Anyhow, there must be a statute of limitation for writers of verse, or it would be quite tyranny if in an art, which is the expression, not of truth, but of imagination and sentiment, one were obliged to be ready for examination on the transient states of mind which came upon one when homesick or seasick, or in any other way, sensitive or excited. Yours most truly, John H. Newman. I mean, Kelly, he couldn't remember what he meant. No, he has no idea what he meant. He actually couldn't remember. And then he even says at the end that maybe he was sick or seasick. Right, and like not even in his right frame of mind. He could have been delirious. Yeah. And the thing is, is that he was like unabashedly honest. He could have just said, I'm pretty sure I meant this, or I'm looking at it now and I think it's this. But he literally says he doesn't know or remember, and he's not going to even try. He's not even (laughs) going to try to remember. Yeah. Even though it's maybe not as well known as we thought, but maybe it is. You guys have to let us know. But it really has been immortalized with this music by Dykes and these words by Newman. Now, Carrie, one of the things that I realized about these two men, John Bacchus Dykes, who wrote the music, and John Henry Newman, who wrote the words, is that their lives were really similar. They had a ton in common. They lived about 20 years apart from each other. So, you know, they didn't like grow up together and they lived about four hours apart. Right. And we see this with, you know, hymn writers and composers who live around the same time, around the same area. I mean, if they didn't know each other, they probably definitely knew of each Mm -hmm. other. John Henry Newman, who wrote the words, was older. And I actually kind of imagined that John Bacchus Dykes found this poem, heard this poem, read this poem, and had a great deal of respect for John Henry Newman. They, Their lives were really similar, the things that were important to them. They had a lot of common 
opinions. So these are the kinds of things that they had in common. They both were kind of protesting or fighting against the modern Church of England. Do you remember when we talked about Dykes in the prior episodes where he wanted things to go back to like the old way and he wanted vestments and he, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he like w- he wanted traditional. He wanted traditional. more traditional. Yeah. And he was like kind of arguing. He was the music director and he right. was kind of arguing with the local vicar and they were kind of going back and forth. And Newman was doing that. All right, well, let's hear about him. Okay. John Henry Newman was born in London, England on February 21st, 1801. Wow. He was extremely bright, extremely smart. He ended up at Trinity College, Oxford, and he ended up being given the prestigious position of a fellow at Oriel College at Oxford. He ended up taking holy orders in 1824. He was the vice principal at St. Albans Hall, and he was eventually appointed to St. Mary's Oxford in the spring of 1828. Um, Another weird coincidence is that John Bacchus Dykes was the music director at St. Mary's Cambridge. So not at all the same, not near each other at all, but 20 years apart in the same St. Mary's. I think that the way these two gentlemen's lives were parallel is just remarkable. And in 1830, he was one of the select university preachers. Now, he seemed to be doing so well, except for the fact that he was unhappy with the Church of England. So he traveled away from England and then needed to come back. He needed to come back because he needed to fix what was going on in England. And it was when he got back, it was in 1833, it was on July 14th, and he heard this famed sermon by a Mr. Keeble. He was another Oriel fellow. He was so he was this very prestigious position. And Mr. Keeble pretty much started the Oxford movement. Mm -hmm. This is how this started. So this is 20 years before John Bacchus Dykes. So they had to have influenced John Bacchus Dykes. He wanted to be part of the Oxford movement. And so he is so swayed by Mr. Keeble's sermon, Keeble's sermon, Mm -hmm. that he completely joins him. So he and Keeble work on these tracks I mean, tracks of information. We still have tracks in churches today. Yeah. But this was new to all of them doing these tracks. In fact, he was called a tractarian. What? I didn't even know that was a word. What's that? (laughs) What's that? A tractarian because he was known for writing these tracks. And they had all this theological information in it that honestly was aggravating to the Church of England. Okay. His tract that was called Bernard's on Certain Passages in the 39 Articles was written in 1841 and Kerry, that tract forced his retirement because it's so controversial. It was a retirement and it was his censure. It was basically saying, stop right. talking. So that was in 1841 and in 1843, he formally resigned And he put in an application 
to be part of the Church of Rome on October 8th, 1845. And now he has a whole new life in in the Catholic Church. In 1845, he left the Church of England. He entered the Church of Rome. In 1848, he became Father Superior. In 1854, he was the rector at a newly founded Roman Catholic University at Dublin. And finally, in 1879, he was created a cardinal, which is the highest dignity the Pope can bestow. Wow, a cardinal. Yep. He published numerous articles and books which have brought greater understanding to the Catholic Church. He was an outstanding writer of English pose and poetry. He was a church historian and a theologian, and the Catholic Church completely embraced him. I mean, he wrote so, so much. Yeah, he was he, prolific. He really didn't write hymns. No. The only thing, the only other musical thing that I could find was that he translated a poem by St. Ambrose. Okay. And that poem became a hymn. And it's called Come Holy Ghost. All right. Do you want to look at it? Yes. So this poem um, would have been in Latin mm-hmm. by St. Ambrose. Right. We're thinking like the th- he was born in 340 and wow. died in 397. So this was a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. And so he translates it to English. Mm-hmm. And a few tunes have been set to it over the years. Mm-hmm. This one is by a hymn writer named Timothy R. Matthews. Yes. So we have this Matthews and Newman collaboration. Mm-hmm. Do you want to show everyone? Yeah, why not? Come Holy Ghost. Come Holy Ghost, whoever one art with the Father and the Son. Come Holy Ghost, our souls possess with thy full flood of holiness. All right, so thankfully, mm-hmm. Newman translated that for us because otherwise we would never have it. So it's a prayer. Mm-hmm. You're praying, come Holy Spirit, possess us mm-hmm. with thy full flood of mm-hmm. holiness. I mean, it's a sweet prayer. It never really took off. It's published in 28 hymnals. Right. I mean, he didn't do much, right? He didn't do much. But again, here I am reading this and sort of like romanticizing it. And I feel like he joins the Catholic Church. And I mean, he his life is completely in upheaval over his joining of the church. Right. I mean, this was not a small thing. He had to stop being a priest in the Church of England and become a priest in the Roman Catholic Church. It was huge. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he was interested in the saints. I feel like that was interesting to him because they didn't have that in the Church of England. So he finds these poems that were written, you know, by saints of the faith that he had never known before. Mm -hmm. And then he translates them. Now, this is crazy to me because he ends up becoming a saint. He does. And I mean, I don't know a lot about the beatification of people to make them be saints. Do right. you know? No, no, not at all. I mean, I feel like we talk a lot in England about them becoming knighted. Yes. You know, we've yeah, had, that is true. We've had the hymn writers who have been knighted, but this is a hymn writer who is a saint. Right. Okay. So it started back in 1991, Carrie. Mm. Pope John Paul II declared that John Henry Newman had lived all of the Christian virtues in a heroic degree and was thus henceforth to be called the title venerable okay so this is like step one so he's venerable now he could have just stopped there and just have been venerable 
the way to becoming a saint is when there's some sort of miraculous act that's attributed to him. Okay. So in 2001, a Boston man named John Sullivan. Sully. Says, (laughs) Carrie knows him as Sully. Says that he had lumbar disc disease and severe pain. And he prayed to the venerable Newman for his intercession. And he was cured. So this is in 2001. Okay. And a study by the physicians concluded that there was no medical explanation for the man's instantaneous cure. And in 2009, the Pope approved the cure as a miracle. And it was attributed to the intercession of Venerable Newman. Now, this miraculous cure opened the way for the Roman Catholic Church's formal recognition of Newman's sanctity. Just the way Pope Leo had given him the title of cardinal, which made so many people happy, this also made a huge difference in in the lives of Catholic people who really looked up to Newman and wanted him to be a saint. Wow. So he is Saint John Henry Newman. Mm -hmm. Now, we have writing from Pope John Paul II, and he wrote to the Archbishop of Birmingham all about, this is in 2001, all about Newman Mm -hmm. and why he was so great and why he should be a saint. This is another quote. (laughs) Attention, please. But this time it's from the Pope. Okay. And this is what he says about Newman. Mm -hmm. So knowing what we know about him and knowing what we know about this hymn, let's see if we agree with this. Okay. (laughs) He says, it was the passionate contemplation of truth, which also led him to a liberating acceptance of the authority, which has its roots in Christ, and to the sense of the supernatural, which opens the human mind and heart to the full possibilities revealed in Christ. Lead kindly light amid the encircling gloom. Lead thou me on, Newman wrote. And for him... Christ was the light at the heart of every kind of darkness. For his tomb, he chose the inscription, Ex umbris et imaginibus in veritatatum. What? (laughs) What's that? What's that? Veritatum. That must be something with truth? Yeah. And it was clear at the end of his life's journey that Christ was the truth he had found. That is on his tombstone, And it means from shadows and images into truth. Mm -hmm. So the Pope took all of his writings, took his poem Mm -hmm. that he wrote, and interpreted it as Newman searching for truth and wanting to follow Christ. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. We don't hear much about him wanting to follow Christ. We we just hear about how much he disagreed with the church. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I feel like, you know, when we say just like preach the gospel, just speak the truth. Mm -hmm. Like if you get wrapped up in all this stuff, we actually miss the truth. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for me personally, that's why I don't think this hymn really has a place in modern church worship. It just doesn't. I mean, it doesn't mention Jesus. No. Or God. No. It mentions angel faces. (laughs) And do you remember our Fred test? Right. Okay. So this was back in like episode seven or eight. Must have been eight or nine, yeah. We you said you talked about the Fred test. Right. So for our new listeners, tell us what the Fred test is. So the Fred test is if you can sing the song or the hymn, and it could be about your friend Fred Mm -hmm. or your boyfriend or husband Fred, then it fails the Fred test 
and it's not about Jesus. That means it's not clear who right. the it, song is about. It has to be so clear that it's about Jesus and mm-hmm. nobody else. It mm-hmm. can't describe any other person on earth. Uh, you know, it can't. Right. And I'm not saying it has to say the word Christ because it could talk about a savior who died on the cross. I mean, that's clearly Christ. Mm-hmm. But this does not do that at all. Mm-hmm. At all. I actually think that church writers and theologians figured this out over time. They said, this hymn isn't clear enough for us. Mm -hmm. This hymn doesn't tell us who we're following. It's about the light. And honestly, it has been found in other church hymnals that aren't Christian. Right. Because it's not really clear. A lot of faiths say that there's a great light that Mm -hmm. leads us. You know, that's not just us. So, Cal, eventually... Some hymn writers saw this and wanted to fix it. Right. So we have a fourth verse mm-hmm. that was added. Mm-hmm. And the fourth verse points to Jesus. F- finally, finally. Thank goodness. Now, this is also from the Catholic tradition. It was the collect, which was the prayer that mm. was read for St. John the Evangelist Day. Okay. So on St. John the Evangelist Day, this prayer was said, you know, at every single Catholic church. And eventually it became part of this hymn. All right, so now let's hear the fourth verse, Cal. But let's just read the words. Okay. And let's let Ronnie's music play and let's read verse four. Okay. This is about Jesus. Mm-hmm. The heart can only find rest in the light of light. Meantime, along the narrow, rugged path, thyself hast trod. Lead, Savior. Lead me home in childlike faith, home to my God. To rest forever after earthly strife in the calm light of everlasting life. Thank you, Ronnie, for playing that. That was so pretty. Okay, so that was, the words were by Edward Henry Bickersteth. He was the Bishop of Exeter, and he added this fourth verse. He actually added it, Kelly, while Newman was alive, and Newman was not pleased. Oh. <laughs> he said that he thought the verse was, was good in sentiment and <laughs> in, good in language, but he said that as an author, he, you know, it was his, and he should, nobody should be allowed to change it. Mm-hmm. And you really won't find that fourth verse in publications. Well, I wish we could ask Ronnie and say, does Ronnie know the fourth verse? I know, we'll have to ask him. So it's funny because we find songs that are so amazing and so truthful and so impactful and they're just long forgotten. Right. You know, and this one was published in over a thousand hymnals. People still sang it. I wonder if it was, you know, the the Catholic church that maybe kept it alive. Mm -hmm, The mm -hmm. fact that he was becoming a, a saint helped keep it alive. And hello, how about the fact that there is a college in Wichita, Kansas. Kelly, this is so interesting. That is the Newman College. Newman University. I mean, Newman University. It's, it's a Catholic university named for St. John Henry Newman. Mm-hmm. Right. It was all girls at the beginning. It eventually became co-ed. Um, but it is, it's a huge school. And I imagine that, I mean, here on the Northeast, the Catholic schools that we have, you know, are like Holy Cross. Assumption. Yeah. And maybe even, you know, in other states like Notre Dame. Yeah. Villanova. And so maybe this Newman University is in that same vein that, right. you know, Catholic students want to go there. And so I just have to think that maybe that's another reason why Lead Kindly Light is still around when 
you know, it might not be. It's just because it's it's at the college, the college that was named after him. And there's one more little fun fact about why it might still be around. <laughs> Lead Kindly Light was sung at a hymn sing shortly before the Titanic hit the iceberg in 1912. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like a hymn sing that was on the, yep. that was taking place on the ship. Yep. So this woman named Marion Wright, she sang it. She sang Lead Kindly Light. And I did a little research on this Marion Wright. Oh. She went on the Titanic to meet her husband who was in America. He, they met in England, but he went over first and got some land. And they went back and forth writing letters, writing letters. And it was soon announced that they would be married and that the wedding would take place in America. So she travels on the Titanic, a lone single woman. She meets up with two other women and they room together. And the three of them are making the path to America. And she leads this song in a hymn sing. Now you might say, how do we even know that that's true? Well, Kelly, she survived. She was one of the survivors of the Titanic. She was able to talk about the experience and she's the one who talked about the hymn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She ended up meeting with her husband. They were mm-hmm. reunited. They never crossed the Atlantic again. She said she didn't want to go back on a boat. Um, her survival led to a 53-year marriage. They had three Aww. sons and eight grandchildren. And she died in 1965 at the age of 80. Wow. Yep. And that is the full story of Lead Kindly Light. I mean, we covered right. everything. Right. We certainly did. We even went back in time to the 300s and talked I, about yeah. St. Ambrose. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to this hymn. And I, I just, I wonder who our listeners are. Are they listening and going, I love this hymn. I'm so glad mm-hmm. I'm learning about it. Or are they sitting there with questions just like we were when we researched? Well, if you have any more questions, if you think there's stuff we haven't answered <laughs> or haven't tried to at least figure out, um, let us know. I mean, we wanted to find a performance to share with you. Mm-hmm. I have to say that if you're looking for a choral arrangement, if you're looking, you want to hear that soprano, alto, tenor, bass, right. real traditional sound, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir yes. does have a video. Mm-hmm. And it's really beautiful and it's really powerful. Um, when you hear that choral arrangement, you're thinking like, okay, this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. This is magnificent. Um, but when you really look at the words, of course, you're a little confused. Mm -hmm. So we asked Sneha to sing this for us. Mm -hmm. Her husband, Sean, we wanted it to sound a little bit more modern. We can't wait for you to hear it. Unfortunately, Cal, when we, you know, we're sitting down to record and Sneha isn't feeling well. So we have to make a last minute change. We don't have Sneha's recording. Nope. We will share it on social media. She's going to share it with us as soon as she's feeling better. Right. Just hopefully just a few days and you'll hear it. And truthfully, we did just sing all of the verses. Yes. Yes. But the super special thing about Sneha and this song is that she has these hymn cards that she's created. So... We know that she's an artist. We love her work. And um, honestly, yeah. we still have all of our merchandise yes. from episode 75. Oh, of course. So so go to our website, himtalktwintalk.com, mm-hmm. just to see all of the things mm-hmm. that she made for us. So we have Jesus Loves Me magnets. Jesus Loves Me stickers. Jesus Loves Me tote bags. Yeah. So check it out. But what Sneha has done now is really special. Right. After Jesus Loves Me, she did this. 
She came up with 31 hymn cards from our episode. Mm -hmm. The hymns are from our episodes. It's supposed to be a hymn for every day. Mm -hmm. And you will be able to purchase this set of cards. They even come with its own little stand. Mm -hmm. So every day you can kind of flip it and like look at the next one. Uh, It's so sweet how she has artistically, visually interpreted the hymn, interpreted the episode. Mm -hmm. So she gives you something visual to look at and then you can go and listen to our episode and learn all about it. Yeah, she's such a supporter of ours. She loves the podcast. And she said when she created these cards, she said she didn't want to put, you know, even biographical information or dates or anything on the cards (laughs) because she wants people to see the cards and then go right to our podcast yeah yeah (laughs) she's so great she's so sweet she's so talented so talented so we're going to put her information on our show notes of course Mm -hmm. please find her on instagram Mm -hmm. and if you want these little hymn cards you know order them from her i actually i want i definitely want to order a set and you know without giving too much away i think it'd be a great mother's day present (laughs) i'm gonna get a set for mom i know know. all right so So this this lead kindly light is episode 78 so she has the card for Mm -hmm. this hymn. Mm -hmm. She said she had never heard the hymn before, but she liked it and she's singing it for us and she wanted to include it in her set of hymn cards. Mm -hmm. All right. So Kel, hymn takes? Well, it's a a tricky one. It is definitely a tricky one. Now I will tell you that when Ronnie wrote, he said that he had a favorite line. Okay. Ronnie said that he loved Keep thou my feet. Mm. I do not ask to see the distant scene one step enough for me. Mm -hmm. So it's just keep me moving. And, you know, it's that whole, like, I don't need to see the set of stairs. I just need to see the first step. Right. You know, that's what he's saying. Yeah. So what do you think? Well, I I wonder, you know, what kind of a person this John Henry Newman was because, you know, he was educated, he was smart, and all of a sudden he thinks he knows better than the Church of England and he, like, writes all these tracts and he ends up leaving the Church of England and becoming a saint. And he ends up a saint, which, yeah. So I'm like, is he, like, prideful? Is he angry? Is he assertive? Is he argumentative? Like, what kind of I guy mean, is he? I feel like he might have been a little difficult. Right. But then I see verse two. Kelly, I feel like we might have the same hymn take. Really? Well, we need like a sound that says we're twins. <laughs> we keep saying that. Has that happened before? I don't think it's happened. That we had the same hymn take? Yeah. Is this a first? Well, I don't know if this is a first. I have to hear yours okay. first. Go ahead. So he says in verse two, I was not ever thus, nor prayed that thou should lead me on. He's saying, I wasn't always like this. I didn't even pray that you would lead me. I loved to choose and see my own path. I loved the garish day. In spite of all my fears, I was super proud. Pride ruled my will. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I mean, it definitely could be clearer, Mm -hmm. but I feel like this is a confession of his past sins. (laughs) There's our first. There's our first. (laughs) Kelly, I was going to say the same thing. weird that that sound comes after <laughs> it's a confession of past sins. Well, I was totally going to say that. I said in this moment, it seems like a confessional mm-hmm. hymn. And I think what we've learned about Newman is that maybe he was difficult and yeah. maybe he was argumentative. And I like that 
he could recognize in that moment that maybe he was too proud. Mm-hmm. It has to be my way. Mm. I mean, I guess if you just take each verse, you know, the first verse is like a dependence on God. The second verse is like a confession. The third verse is, I think, almost gratitude. Like, you've blessed me so much. Or just the hope. The hope that we have that he will still continue to bless you mm-hmm. and you're going to be with him someday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the third verse is pretty confusing. I know. I mean, have we had a hymn that had this many questions? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think we have, Cal. This has brought up not just questions. Like, I mean, every hymn brings up questions. We always want to learn as much as we can about it. But really, like, we don't know what John Henry Newman meant. (laughs) And And neither does does he. he. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you to Ronnie for bringing this to our attention. Mm -hmm. I really want to talk more to Ronnie Mm -hmm. about why he likes it. Well, you know, if we so chose, we could go to the Newman Symposium. What? This is in Pittsburgh at the Center for Newman Studies. Okay, well, Pittsburgh is still a few hours away from Philadelphia. <laughs> so Ronnie, if Ronnie were going to meet us, I, oh he'd gosh, have a drive. I wonder if Ronnie knows about these Newman Studies. We could go, It's it just passed. It was March 10th to 11th in wow. 2023. Okay. We could go and we could go to sessions that are called... The English Catholic Roots of Newman's Religious World. That's like the name of a session. Mm-hmm. Or um, Narratives of Early Modern Catholic Reform, Spiritual and Theological Influences in the Writings of the Port Royal Nuns. I mean, Clary, we could go and we could talk. Well, I about- feel like they need something a little more... <laughs> Yeah, a little more lighthearted yep. on their roster. We should totally go. There is a Center for Newman Studies in Pittsburgh. So, and it's really art like John Henry Newman, not like a different Newman like Ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's really all about him. It is not about Paul Newman. It is about the Catholic, the newly saint. Catholic saint. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, those two sound like <laughs> You'd be sitting on the edge of your seat the Wait, whole time. You do understand. I mean, we, we could we share like the website of and course. on our social media. Yeah. So I mean, that's why I'm not sure I would want this song sung in my church or even at my funeral. But it this is amazing. This hymn, the, its story is amazing. The guy mm-hmm. who wrote it is amazing, and the fact that we're talking about it all these years later. Later, and there's you know. An entire university devoted to this guy. And a center for Newman study. I feel like I would want to go to Wichita and visit Newman University. I'd rather go to the center for Newman studies. It's not that far. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah, we could see a Pirates game. Perfect. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Ronnie, for bringing this to Mm -hmm. us. Thank you, Sneha and Sean. We love your music. Mm -hmm. We love your art. This is episode 78. We are already working on episode 79. Of course. And 80 and 81. It's a long (laughs) list. If you have a a hymn you would like to hear on a future episode, please let us know. Yes. And if you're not following us on social media, please find us. Mm -hmm. Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. On Instagram. Facebook. Twitter. Yep. All right. Thank you, everybody. We will be back in two weeks. All right. God bless. Bye. Bye. Keep singing. Bye.